Hey, this is Dave Greenberg, Director of Emergency Preparedness Services. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to this episode. Hey listeners, if you haven't checked out the Facebook group Leadership is Changing, feel free to go ahead and do that, and if you're on LinkedIn, check out the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Dave Greenberg, was, who was born in New York City, and he spent time in Buffalo and in Dallas before moving to New Zealand for one-year IT contract in 1990, where he still resides today. From the time he was only eight years old, Dave says he knew that he wanted to be a fireman. He saved his first life doing CPR when he was only 13 years of age. Although he pursued a professional IT career, his passion for emergency services never waned. And alongside his studies and career, he became a volunteer firefighter or ambulance officer wherever he lived. His one-year contract was quickly extended to two, and during the second year in 1991, he was lucky enough to become a crew member on a rescue helicopter in Wellington, New Zealand. The volunteer position became a paid career, lasting over 25 years, where he was part of a team of nearly 4,000 missions that he did. For 12 of those years, Dave was also the operations manager for the charity, which ran the helicopter, and two air ambulance airplanes. He managed a team of over 30 pilots, crew, and paramedics, and managed the operational relationship with two aircraft suppliers, the health system, and local ambulance service. Dave restarted emergency uh, preparedness services as a, um, and his emergency management consulting firm that he fill, uh, formed in the early 90s. EPS offers emergency training, consulting services to the corporate and government sector, and he also began using his wealth of knowledge and stories to begin professional speaking career. His main speaking topics are around creating a response culture and creating trust. COVID-19, yep, that pandemic, brought much of his business to a screeching halt in March 2020. And as the COVID lockdown was announced in New Zealand, Dave was offered a short-term contract with the Ministry, the New Zealand Ministry of Health on the emergency and management team of the COVID-19 response team. Dave is convinced that we have all the ability to create our own luck. And much of his good luck has been following the advice of mentors along his career. Dave is proudest of his uh, helicopter career and all the people he had uh, he had a hand in helping over the 25 years. That being said, 
He is also immensely proud to be part of the COVID-19 response team, which has seen New Zealand's response be recognised as one of the best in the world. So Dave, a big welcome to you to the Leadership is Changing podcast. I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here. So I've given you I've given an introduction about your background, which has just been an amazing background and, and, and career that you've had. Is there anything else that you might want to add to what we've already just shared? Well, when I hear you tell my story, it's um, quite funny. I knew when I was eight, as you said, I wanted to be a fireman. Then I saved a life at 13. And my parents, who our parents are leaders when we're growing up, and my parents wanted me to be successful. And I wasn't old enough or wise enough to realize that, A, my success didn't depend on them approving, and B, that our visions of success were different. And it's only with the the value of growing older and looking back on it that I realized they were great leaders, but they never got me. I don't think they get me yet. My mom, who's still alive, or my dad before he died. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, eh? So how did you get into leadership? Well, I leadership, I kind of, I was a, a know-it-all smart person who just walked into leadership, or so I thought. And I had a lot of hard knocks in the early days of being, you know, a type A personality who just thought I was a leader. And what I was, was an obnoxious little twerp, even in my 20s. But I grew into it. I studied great leaders. I studied people I thought were great leaders. And I just studied my mentors. And so much of what I've learned is by looking, working for good leaders and trying to emulate them. Yeah, isn't it interesting how a lot of people think they are a leader or they already are good at leadership and so forth, but when they start to look at others, start to learn from others, it's amazing what the gaps that we can see and then what we need to do. For a lot of people, I know I don't know about what it was like in the US, Dave, when you were there, but a lot of people, when they finish high school or college, they throw the books away and they think, ah, oh, I've learned everything I need to learn now, I'm fine. But I think well, if we ha- what, we happen is, what happens to us is that as we go into our lives, into our careers and into leadership positions, we realize we haven't stopped learning. And that's what I think you've just been sharing, right? Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. I hated school. I didn't, I wagged out of or skipped out of two years of high school, which nearly caused my death from my parents. But uh, one of the things I see now is that the what we learn in primary and early school years is BS. It, it really, um, other than reading, writing, and arithmetic, it really hasn't helped me much. Life learning has helped me. And then being pushed into doing some postgraduate study after I finished on the helicopter has really made a difference. But by then, I was ready to learn and willing to learn and it really paid off. Yeah, so those experiences that you talk about on the helicopter as in your introduction too, I mean, that that must have been some fantastic stories that you've got to share and, and so forth. But I mean, that whole experience, I mean, Dave, that must have been hair-raising experiences where leadership really was tested at times. It was. Uh, when we were on the helicopter, there were usually three, maybe four of us. So the pilot was in command. They they are in charge of flying, but the we use crew or cockpit resource management, and all of us on the crew had the ability to stop the flight. So if any of us felt mm. uncomfortable, we would say to the pilot, "Not happy, go home." 
what we know is that when one of us would call out that we were really unhappy, the other two were feeling the same way and it was just the first one to get to it. But sometimes we would work our way through it. So the the leadership I learned over time was knowing when not to take off and no one to turn back as opposed to being the heroes and going through. And that's a lesson I learned early and it kept me alive for a 25-year career. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so I think there's times when a lot of leaders need to make those decisions. So is there any sort of steps that you do, like initial assessments or anything like that to help you make those kind of decisions? Yeah, there's a formula I've been teaching for years, and it's basically safe, which is stop, assess the situation, figure out a plan, start executing the plan, and then jump immediately back to the assess. So continually reassessing. One thing I learned flying in bad weather or flying in the low wire environment, just because it's safe now doesn't mean it's safe 30 seconds from now. So you, the reassessing, constant reassessing is the way we stayed alive in the aircraft. And it's the way I live my life, whether I stop at a car accident or and try to help people, or if I'm just trying to make a business decision, that constant reassessment about is it working really pays off. Yeah, great. And I think that's something that leaders need to do too all the time. They need to reassess. They need to do the safe pieces you talked about, go back to the reassessment and realize where they're at with things in any kind of situation they're at. And I think for a lot of them, sometimes can become complacent. They don't do those things and that's when they get caught out. So I think it's really important that they do those kind of things that you just said, said those steps, which are really important. Hey, Dave, who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? When I read that question, Nelson Mandela and Colin Powell are the two that pop into mind for two very different reasons. Nelson, because of the way he lived his life and demonstrated, and Colin, because he is a great leader in an operational aspect in battle, which is what I found myself in without the guns, but um, certainly having to think like we're at battle. So those are the two that spring to mind. Uh, people, I know this is local to New Zealand, but most people will be aware of Anthony Fauci, the um, medical guy in the States with COVID. Well, I'm working for Ashley Bloomfield, who's New Zealand's equivalent of Anthony. And he is one of the top leaders I've ever worked for, just the way he portrays himself, the his knowledge and he, his way of being with people. So I'm surrounded by great leaders. It's great. Yeah, and New Zealand, just for our listeners, I mean, to, to understand that we, I mean, we, we went hard right at the beginning for lockdowns last year and so forth, and we've been able to manage it and doing really well. And yes, there's been one sort of second sort of little outbreak, but we could manage that. And now there's sort of been some tinkering of a couple of things. But, you know, we tend to be, we're on top of things. Compared to other countries like Europe and the U.S. and other countries, New Zealand is, as you said, in the way, as I said in the introduction, it's about, you know, one of the best in the world and what is how it's handled COVID. What's it like being part of that team? What's it like being part of a team that's really doing well and, and making sure that the country and its people are safe? Well, response is my life. I live for response. So I love the chaos of response. I love being amongst it. Uh, I love being able to think things differently than a lot of people when chaos strikes. But one of the differences, I've all my family's back in the States. 
when we shut down the country apart schools in the August resurgence, um, and it made New Zealand uh, world news that New Zealand had one case and we were shutting down schools. I got a text from my niece in New York saying, one case, we've got thousands and we're opening up school next month. We've just handled it differently. And, and being part of that team, and it's a huge team effort. It's not me. It's not Ashley. There's thousands of people who are keeping New Zealand safe. And some really good decisions being made. And But I describe this, and it's a lot like my rescues. We're building the airplane as we're flying. And sure. there, is no, there is no playbook for COVID, as the world knows. So we try things. Some work, some don't. Reset, you know. But every failure, I, I love the quotes around failures aren't failure. They're just a, a new way not to do it next time. And that's what we have to do constantly. Yeah, so try and assess, and if it does work, great. If it doesn't work, reset. Yeah, okay, that's good. Fail, reset. I'm, I'm, I'm writing notes here, and listeners, I hope you're writing notes as well, because what Dave Greenberg's sharing with us is some fantastic stuff here. Dave, the, the title of the show is Leadership is Changing. When I mm. say that title, what does that mean to you? Um, for me, it was about putting my dreams on hold. I was, as you said, starting a professional speaking career, I, my training, this was going to be my best year ever, uh, money-wise, and also living the life I wanted to, where 2020 was. And all of a sudden, it stopped. And then I was sitting there like a lot of people going, what in the heck am I going to do? And then this opportunity to go to Ministry of Health came up. And that's what I was talking about that you mentioned in the intro. I've been a very lucky person. But I think all the things I've done before now and the people I've met and the relationships I've made create my luck. And, and then there's also the seeing opportunities and grabbing them, even if you're not sure, which is how I ended up in New Zealand 31 years ago. Yeah. And I think, Dave, I think there's a formula that I, I, I talk about and others have you know, talked to me about it as well, is that opportunity plus preparedness equals luck. Yep. And so what you said before about you being prepared over the years and things that you've done and then opportunities come along, when they come together, it's a beautiful thing and, and that's what we can call as luck. Yep. And, and I guess just the name of my company, Emergency Preparedness, I, I've been doing my whole life waiting for these days. There's a great clip on The Simpsons. If someone goes to YouTube uh, about if you, Simpsons Peanut Factory and it's about the manager of a peanut factory that's been preparing his people every day for the day an elephant escapes and um, all of a sudden an elephant is running through Springfield I am that manager <laughs> <laughs> no well well done yeah cool all right and so you mentioned just before a little bit about how some of the speaking stuff in your dreams sort of got put on hold so how has your business or industry changed? And I'm not just talking about pandemics. It's just in general, right? How has your business or industry changed and what demands has that put on you? Well, I hate the word pivot, but my God, I've had to pivot a lot lately. Doing one thing, doing another. My contracts I had with my business didn't end because I took the job with the Ministry of Health. So I've had a, a lot of balls in the air, a lot of juggling. And probably the hardest person in the world for me to lead is myself because I get very distracted and sometimes I go for the shiny object and 
and so trying to put the discipline around myself, remembering I could have it all, but I still need a life outside of business and work. And yeah, and that jumping back when I lost the job on the helicopter, long story, that devastated my world. I had all my eggs in one basket called the, the rescue helicopter that died. And uh, I equate it to sports people who get an injury and end a career or pilots who have a medical, they fell. It was that kind of major thing for me. So for me, it's been the figuring out what my passion is. I really do believe we can make money from our passion, but also giving people what they need, not what I want to deliver. And Mm -hmm. these have been real struggles for me at time, but um, I think I'm there. And, and then I have imposter syndrome all the time. When when I get invited to podcasts, I'm like, really? Why? And, and then, uh, yeah. And then I remember, yeah, I am pretty good at what I do. And on we go. Yeah. And Dave, look, you're a guy that's really talented. You've got these experiences. You've gone and done things that people wish they could do sometimes. Maybe not hanging outside of a helicopter or things like that to go and rescue people, but the thing is, you've gone and done it, and that's the that's the real key. And you bring experience to the table, but then also, as you said, that word pivot, right? Ugh, that word pivot, yeah, pivot. But you've only not only had to do that with from a pandemic perspective, you had to do that as you came out of the the organisation with the helicopter and other things in life as well. So you've had to do that on on a, on several occasions, which is really interesting. And even today, and even tomorrow. You and I are going to have to pivot something and somewhere in our lives. And so it's something that's going to always going to be in front of us. But if we are prepared, like you're saying, right, and it may be an emergency, it may not be an emergency, but what if we're prepared, we're going to be able to handle that and move wherever we need to move to. I agree. Hey, if, if there was one thing that you could change a business as a leader today, what, what would that one thing be, Dave? Yeah. <sighs> Calm the farm people. We we need to calm the farm, not see everything as a major crisis and f- prioritize what is a crisis, deal with the crisis, and yeah, just get it done. I, I think one of the the blame culture that we've got or the the culture where something happens and people try to make it a they f- want to figure out how it happened before they fix the problem of what's going on. Sometimes you need to know right. what happens so you don't repeat it and you could fix it. But more often than not, how it happened doesn't matter. It's let's fix the problem and do the investigation late- later. But I think sometimes we put the cart be- before the horse. And I think the true leaders are people with big visions that go above, they look at the helicopter view looking down and say, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, that's what's really important, and they get on with it. Yeah, okay, cool. So that is that is one thing, listeners, for you to think about as well, is the fact that Dave's saying that don't put the cart before the horse, think about it. If there's something that's going on for you and there's an issue right now, get it fixed, sort that out, and then start investigating later on about why it's going on, what's the root cause, and so forth. Where a lot of people are trying to do the root cause first, I think is what you're saying, Dave. And then they, then the still, the still problem's still going on, right? So it's actually put the put the bung in the hole. Make sure everything's the the leaking stopping, and the boat's not going to sink. 
and then yeah. then we can see what we need to do for sure, which is uh, which is quite interesting. And I think I, I love what you say. Not everything is in a crisis, and yeah. So that's that's I, I really like that because I think there are people who make things a crisis. Or here, here's another example I would give, and I would say is that there's leaders at time, at times I should say, who based on what they say, and based on what they do, but how they say it and how they do it will actually fester something and cause a crisis when it actually need, didn't even need to be a crisis. And so I think for a lot of leaders, they need to sort of step back a bit and be a little bit mindful about how they come across and, and what they say and what they do with people. It, it's the leading by example. Calm the farm, run it calmly. People will become calm and solve the problems. And yeah, so coming from a background of where my whole life was crisis management, a lot of what I see, it's like no one's going to die. Come to farm people, just take a deep breath. And and it gives you a whole different perspective when what I used to do, if I made a bad decision, literally people could die. And I could point to missions where we made bad decisions and people did die. And we had to get on with it. We We didn't go out with any interest except saving people, but we didn't. And if I let that get to me, we, you know, I never would have continued. But a lot of what people present to me as crisis is like, this is a hiccup, you know, call me tomorrow. And um, it, that doesn't go down very well. That's one of the things I've learned as I got older is to put that in different terms, especially when I'm consulting, because um, <laughs> otherwise you don't keep the consulting gig. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's where a lot of people sort of nowadays are thinking about things in the sense that it doesn't need to be as big as what we think it could be, but also take a step back, breathe, and and as you use your safe model, as you're saying, Dave, right, and then just really assess things and see where things are at for sure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, one quick example: I, I had a guy back on the helicopter days. If you asked him the time, he would tell you how to build a clock. He just couldn't tell you the time. He had to give you the whole story. And he was also the guy that would come running in. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And I would just sit at my desk and keep doing things. And then like 10 minutes later, he'd come back and say, oh, I was wrong. You know, cancel everything. Yep, got it. Yet I had other people who came to me with a very non-concerned thing and I got really worked up because they were the people I knew were bringing me real problems and just bringing it to me early. And they were the good people in my life. How important is it, because you used the words before about being calm, how important is it for people to be calm and what can they do to help them being calm, being calm in situations? The number one thing you could do is breathe. Um, <laughs> if you breathe, you mm. start taking deep breaths and do all of that. I guess that all of us, everyone listening to this, we've made it through everything that we've been through before to make it to today to be listening to this. So we've got, you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 years of experience of living through it. And if you don't treat everything like this is life and death, and you just kind of take those 30 seconds or 30 minutes or a day to really figure out what's going on it depends on the situation. Like some, some things you have to deal with right then because your life or your business depends on it. Most of it isn't that critical. And remembering that is a really, yep. for me, a good way to keep calm. 
Uh, excellent. Yeah, great. Breathing is a big one. And I think that's uh, getting oxygen to the brain, slowing things down in time-wise, and then you're calm. And I always say that if the, the, the calmest person is the one that's in control, and I think that's really important. Dave, you you and I have been employees uh, of organizations before, and we know people who are employees. How are employees' expectations of leaders changed? It's funny because uh, I'm now back to being a contractor, but pretty much a full-time employee. And I think looking at the government department and the ones I've been in, half the employees expect to be paid for, or that's unfair, uh, 33% of the employees expect to be paid for showing up and get a raise because they've been here another year. But I think my experience of the people I'm working with are they're there to do a good job. They know they could probably go get another good job if they're smart enough and have the qualifications. So what we want to do is we want good leaders. We want people who leave us to do our job. They don't micromanage us, like trust me to do my job, but they don't want to be put out to pasture and left alone. They they want the balance between being led and being given the, the opportunity to succeed. Yeah, so and that's different too. When I came out to New Zealand, I was working for a government department, and then it was probably 80% of the people who got paid just for being there and got promoted just for being there, and they were in civil service for 40 years. Life is different now. Yep, yep, sure is. So a balance to lead, but also the opportunity to succeed, and I think that's a great way of actually talking about how people want to be in the way that they want to be treated as employees and so forth. Dave, what makes a leader successful today in the fast-paced, ever-changing world? Number one, I think, is not doing things and telling people to do things just because that's the way we've always done it. You know, we're doing all our meetings on Zoom or Team or, um, you know, where we used to jump on airplanes. We've had a pivot. We have to do work differently. And I think leading by example is the number one thing that in my mind makes a leader successful don't tell your people you expect them to be calm and then when they make a mistake yell and scream and make it like it's the end of the world and so one of my mentors that i'm working with at the moment our job is to calm the farm whether it's ministers the prime minister people within our organization or other government departments Calm the farm people. We've got this. And the more you could portray that we've got this, even if you're faking it, you know, you're that duck, the feet under the water are just going at a million miles an hour, but you've got to portray that calmness that we've got it. This is okay. And then and then the second part of that is you have to make it okay and you've got to figure out how to make it happen. Yep. Okay. Wow, that's great. So calm the farm, but you know we've got this, and portraying that calmness and confidence is really important. And I think the other thing too is that you said about leading by example. You know, where you say you say say to people stay calm, but then you start losing it with people. I think yeah. the the part of the key word there is being consistent. If you're consistent as well, then people know what they're going to expect from you, and and, and I think that's really important, especially uh, uh, in helping leaders succeed today. Yep, and we had a rule on the helicopter. No one should ever be running to the helicopter. We're professional. We walk out to the helicopter. Those two seconds that you save are the time you're going to slip on the pavement or you're going to walk into a rotor blade. 
the job is going to get done, be calm, be, be very confident and just get the job done. But you don't have to run and be all, all over the place to get the job done. Do you know, Dave, that's actually a very good point because, you know, we, when I was dancing competitively, Borum and Latin with Mary, there was one thing that we always made sure we do. And that is when we come off the floor, we make sure we go off the floor as a couple and we always go off the, short, the floor with confidence, even though that we know we may have screwed things up in the, on the dance floor. And because for some of those judges, as they're watching us walk off the floor, they still have to put a number in the winning number or a placing, and they still haven't picked up who. And so if they can see you being confident as you go out, just as like being confident when you come onto the floor, it's amazing what you can do. And if you've got emergency service people who are flustered, who are running around, yeah, but if they're calm, they've got their presence, and they're walking out in a controlled manner, I think it's great. And I think leaders need to do the same thing too. So I think that, you know, thanks for sharing that. I think it's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's uh, I had a guy, we went to a horrific accident and um, a person had a limb partially amputated. And just as we were getting ready to take off, one of the firemen just casually gave us the stop sign, which was unusual. So we stopped and went and talked to him and he had a package for me and they had found the arm. A lot of people would oh. have been yelling and screaming and it, it, it was just the perfect example and it just popped in my head it was years ago but it was come the farm here you go they might need this um yeah and and you know what they saved that arm finding it and getting it to us before we took off actually let that person save their arm but we didn't have to be in a panic mode to do it and um, that doesn't help patients when we would be all flustered that does not portray any confidence to patients. Never lied to patients, and I think this is leadership. Never lied to them and told them everything was going to be okay, because sometimes we didn't know. So then we would use words like, we're doing the best we can, we're doing everything we can for you. But I, I never intentionally lied to a person and did the everything's going to be okay, because even if it was true, it's the worst moment of their life. And they're not going to believe you. And if they think you're a liar, they're not going to believe anything else you say. Yeah, Trezal, that's that's awesome. Just what you're sharing there, that's just gold, especially what you've just shared. I mean, I mean, crikey. I mean, as you said it, I think it's a measured way that the fire person just turned around and said, hold, and then gave you what you need to give without having to rouse everybody out. I think that's brilliant. And I think that's uh, – I, I think that's where I've seen leaders do that, and I've seen them how they just go in and do it nicely and quietly. I was I was talking about another way too, Dave, whereby some countries have what we call sort of CIA, MI5, those kind of sort of different scenarios. And if the one team will go into, I'm not going to even say what countries and so forth, one country will go in with everything, guns blazing, bam, 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 bang, <laughs> where another country will go in, do what they need to do, and then come back out, and no one would know that's even been done. And I think yeah. that's the that's the that's a great example of like the fireman you just gave an example, right? Stop, you all yeah. knew you knew the signal, you got out there and you did, and then you saved the arm. I think it's that's 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 brilliant and uh, and actually sharing that. So Dave, I'm gonna get you to start thinking about the future and I'm gonna start getting you to think about bring out a crystal ball here and ask you, where do you see leadership being in five years? Man, 
any leader who can't do crisis management well, I think won't be around in five years because we're jumping at the moment from one crisis to another, whether it be COVID or political change or whatever going on. We're in a very, in my mind, unsettled, unpredictable time. And if I, I think that um, some of the leaders we have today, and I'm not even talking about the ones everyone talks about, but the ones who blew through COVID things and went on drives and you know took their families when they're telling everyone else to lock down, I think they're all of them are going to be gone in five years because they're not leading by example. But the leaders that are out there leading, handling crisis, and treating their people well, I think are the ones who are going to survive. And, and and the way you treat people. I remember my mom. You know, this is a lesson from my my early leadership. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And I know some people who think they're leaders, but I more think they're managers because they tell people what to do. They don't work with them. Yeah, it's um, leaders. They're calm and they lead by example. And I've got two immediate bosses. One is XAS and one is ex-police. And they're the two people I work closest with. And then Ashley, and they're all great leaders. And I just try to be like them. And, you know, I'm getting up there. I'm 58. So in five years time, I might not be, I'll still be a leader, but I might not be a leader in a government department. But I need the 20 and 30 year olds coming in behind me to say, whoa, look at this guy. He's had a great life. He's done great things. He's taken some chances. It's worked out okay for him. And yet he's still a good person. And that's what I want people to be, leaders to be good people and then good leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what employees are expecting of leaders more nowadays is to be a leader that is authentic, that leader is who is caring and being really nice people, but also being a leader to be able to lead things as well. Because there will be some difficult decisions and difficult discussions they'll have to have, but they can also treat people. And I think that that term that you just said, the way you treat people is treat people the way you want to be treated, I think is a great way to saying it. And um, that's very good. So Dave, hey, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? I'll jump over to my website, rescuedave.com, R-E-S-C-U-E-D-A-V-E.com. It's um, yeah. I'll doubt, I'll have some information there, but it's just a bit about me and links to some of my other websites too. Excellent. So, Dave, once again, it's been a real pleasure having you on uh, the Leadership is Changing podcast show today. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dennis. It really is a privilege to be here. And just for everyone, you are one of my mentors. When it's when I come to the speaking world, you're one of the people that has mentored me and helped me be a better speaker. So I really thank you for that. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure working with you. So it's been great. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them. Have a listen, put a review and a rating, and share them with your friends, your family, and your network. If there's any feedback you've got for me on the show, feel free to send me an email. Or if there's any questions you want me to ask my guests as I interview them, or on the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, 
then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, don't forget to check out the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, and also on the LinkedIn, uh, the page, Leadership is Changing. But thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.